Tick-tick-tick. I promise. The Creator is the best film of the year and the best sci-fi film in the past decade. You're my friend? I'm like a bodyguard. The director of Rogue One. See, Belt. They're coming to get me. I'm getting you out of this. I will never let anything happen to you. The Creator. Ready PG-13. September 29th. It's, it's now. Welcome back to Mike Seibert Radio. I am your host, and today I have a early spoiler-free review of The Creator. Uh, the Creator is a brand new science fiction action thriller uh, produced and directed by Gareth Edwards, who directed the 2014 Godzilla movie and Rogue One. Uh, so I was really excited to uh, check out this movie and I just got out of the press screening and I'm kind of hopping up and down with some of that anxious energy and a compulsion to talk about uh, a movie that I I haven't had this bouncing up and down feeling to talk about a movie immediately after seeing it since, I don't know, maybe Spider-Man No Way Home, like because of that movie and what it was it, uh, you know, really got me juiced, really got me uh, energized. So I had to come right back to the studio and get some of my thoughts down before they kind of congealed a little bit. And I feel very similar about this movie as well. I feel like if I go home and sleep it off and come back to it tomorrow, I'll find a way to talk myself out of it and then... Maybe I'll end up uh, not doing it before uh, the movie comes out and and then maybe I might not do it at all. And uh, also, I, I needed an episode 399 because as I am speaking to you from my future, which is your past, episode 400 of Mike Seibert Radio has already happened in the form of a live stream, and I need a placeholder episode between episode 398, uh, which was my uh, interview back at, at KGRG, and the episode 400 extravaganza, and I I will talk about at some other time some of the 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 stress that I went underwent trying to figure uh, what I was going to do for uh, for this. But now, since I'm so excited to talk about uh, the creator, I um, uh, I have my episode 399. So so here we are. So um, going into this movie, I didn't quite know exactly what to make of it. Uh, the posters are incredibly vague. The trailers are even more vague, other than it has to do with robots and AI 
and it's from the guy that did Rogue One. So that's that's really kind of the jumping off point. But I, I found it interesting in the lead up to the film's release, and, and the movie does come out on Friday, September uh, 29th. Um, so it's it's at once a movie that you can't get away from but it's also a movie that you don't know anything about. Um, and skipping ahead to, I, I guess, some of my my final analysis or call to action, I, I desperately would like people to go watch this movie, and I'm afraid that they won't because um, – this movie is, well, before we talk about what this movie is, let's talk about what it isn't. It isn't based on any kind of existing intellectual property. It's not based on a book, comic or otherwise, no graphic novels, no legacy TV show. It's not a sequel. It's not a prequel. It's not a reboot. It's... um. It's a movie that is refreshingly original. Um, It's thoughtful and it's thought provoking. And really the reason why it is resonating with me so hard and the reason why I, I feel the compulsion to talk to you now about it, it's a it's a future sci fi classic in the making. And most importantly for me, it's it's a movie for grownups. Um, and I think that kind of explains some of my enthusiasm uh, for this movie. I uh, invited a uh, one of my coworkers to go to the press screening with me. And he really kind of dragged his feet. Like I sent him the email like a week before the screening. And uh, the reaction was lukewarm and hand wavy. And finally, I got a response that says, like, is it possible to look forward to something and not be interested at the same time? Uh, Which I gave no response and then proceeded to not take him to the movie. So um, it's a it's an intelligent movie. It's a smart movie. As I told uh, the nice lady with the clipboard, it's a tapping to my temple. It's a bit of a thinker. Um, so off the bat, there's a lot of things that I would perceive to be um, working against this movie because it is startlingly original, but it's also kind of like a, a mashup of a bunch of different genres. Um, it's, uh, it's a lot of things. It's a, it's a lot of, uh, uh, tropes and concepts and a lot of familiar things thrown in a blender and remixed. Um, I, I would call this a, a classic sci-fi remix because it takes a lot of concepts that we know and turns them on their ear. And then there's other tropes that entirely that it wraps its arms around and uh, doesn't shy away from. Uh, there, there was another coworker of mine, a completely separate coworker, um, that it's like, oh, okay, well, you know what? I saw this movie already, and it was called The Terminator. And it's like, ha ha, very funny. 
Um, and and even as I was getting, yeah, uh, have fun going to watch uh, watch the baby Terminator or or whatever, which I I, I found uh, really uh, really kind of reductive. But um, so I up top, I really like the movie. I really want to be evangelical about it, and I really kind of want uh, to let you know about it, and uh, in the hopes that you go see it, because I think at this point it is important, in my opinion, to support new stuff. Like it's one thing to go see a Marvel movie or a DC movie or or a movie based on your favorite comic or or novel or legacy TV uh, IP or you know any of that. So any number of uh, uh, reboots, prequels, or or sequels or uh, whatever. But I think contemporary audiences are voting with their wallets time and time again that. We just want nostalgia. We don't want new stuff. We uh, we we just want the same old stuff. I mean, Criminy, my podcast is primarily de- uh, dedicated to fandom for Transformers the movie, a movie that is checks notes thirty seven years old at uh, this point, and a lot of my narrative is driven by nostalgia. So I. I think I I was I was really really excited for this because it is it is uh, uh, something uh, very new. So um, uh, as I said, so the it, it's it, it is billed as a sci-fi action thriller. Um, it stars uh, John David Washington, uh, aka the the son of Denzel Washington and the star of Tenant. Um, also uh, stars Gemma Chan, uh, Ken Watanabe, and uh, and Allison Janney in a in a delightful uh, uh, surprise role um, uh, amongst others. Um, uh, basically, the plot is set in a future uh, ravaged by war between humans and artificial intelligence. They're 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 competing they're competing armies, and the movie kind of follows. Um, a ex special forces agent, uh, the John David Washington character, he is recruited to hunt down and kill uh, the creator, the titular creator, who has developed a mysterious weapon with the power to end the war by destroying mankind itself. So, on the synopsis, it does feel uh, very Terminator. Uh, the development of the movie back, uh, began back in 2019, uh, where uh, Gareth Edwards signed on to direct and write a then untitled science fiction movie for uh, New Regency and was officially announced in February of 2020. Now, uh, Gareth Edwards has has cited um, uh, Apocalypse Now. Uh, Baraka, uh, not the Mortal Kombat character, the 1992 uh, science fiction movie, uh, Blade Runner, Akira, Rain Man, the uh, the the Tom Cruise, uh, Dustin Hoffman Academy Award winning movie, uh, the Hit from 1984, um, E.T. the Extraterrestrial, and Paper Moon from 1973 as some of the film's sources of inspiration, and that that gives you a, a kind of a feeling of 
the headspace that Gareth Edwards was in kind of uh, approaching this movie. It has a very uh, Southeast Asian uh, flair and flavor and influence to it. And I, I picked up a lot of notes of uh, other um, more satire uh, science fiction movies and tropes, uh, particularly uh, uh, very much like I, I feel like this is a, a a third cousin twice removed from some of Paul Verhoeven's uh, sensibilities. So like uh, RoboCop, Total Recall, and in particular, uh, Starship Troopers, just to name a few. Now, I don't want that comparison to necessarily mislead you. It's not, this is not a satire. This is uh, deathly serious and incredibly earnest, but it's also not without humor. I mean, again, you you look at 2014 Godzilla and you look at Rogue One, and it has a very uh, similar relationship with comedy relief. Um, there, there are several really good chuckles in there that, that, that break the tension. Um, so, so far, you know, because I mean, again, that's the, 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 the review embargo has lifted, uh, some of like the higher echelon of critics have, have seen this movie. Um, and it's got, uh, generally, uh, positive reviews so far. It's currently got like 80% on Rotten Tomatoes, um, a lot of critics are praising the special effects, uh, the performances, which which are all really good. Um, and it takes a really uh, mature approach to this type of subject matter. Because, I mean, again, at, at a time where AI in its various forms is definitely the the top of the pop culture lexicon in terms of like you know what 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 that means for art uh for uh movie and television production um and just creation in general uh to say nothing about that chestnut uh from from James Cameron about I mean he made a whole whole darn series of movies about the dangers of uh, robot intelligence. So I think this takes a a new, fresher look at that. It's not as black and white as robots bad. Um, it, it takes a very uh, nuanced approach in ways that I found incredibly surprising. And I found myself... Um, incredibly invested in the fates of these characters. Um, a lot of the 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 like uh, the the non-starring role, the the below the line uh, uh, characters, really become very endearing very quickly. And um, not all of them are humans. And I I really one of the things that I found incredibly surprising is how this world is populated. It has, it has humans, it has cyborgs, it has synthesoids, it has, it has straight up robots and a combination of all of them living in this ecosystem of a not entirely post-apocalyptic, um, uh, battle ravaged earth, war ravaged earth, um, uh, very, very interesting. And, and again, 
through the lens of kind of a a Southeast Asian um, aesthetic. And, and a lot of critics have labeled it as one of the best movies of 2023. And I, I am certainly inclined to agree, as I've said um, already a couple times, I am here to go to bat for, uh, for this movie. So, and I was really surprised to find as I'm, as I'm uh, flitting around on the Wikipedia page, uh, this movie has a budget of only $80 million. At a time where just last week I watched a movie called Expend Four Bowls, um, Expendables Four, that boasted a budget of $100 million, which I'm sure most of which went to casting for uh, Sylvester Stallone and Jason Statham and Dolph Lundgren and, and whoever else is not in that movie. Uh, that movie looks incredibly cheap and... It, it, it significantly suffers for it, whereas I am floored, absolutely floored and blown away to learn that the creator has a budget of $80 million because it's it looks great. Uh, the, the visual effects are spectacular. There's some really cool shots in here, but really where the movie is at its strongest is in its design aesthetic. The, the way the robots look, the way the technology is. Um, and, and there's several different types of technology. Like you have, um, American army tech and you have kind of, uh, you know, living on the fringe artificial intelligence, uh, uh, folks, and you have robots just like trying to live their daily lives. And so, and, and all of these character types are visually interesting, of course, kind of like, you know, you've seen it on the, on the poster or in the trailers. Uh, but, but there are some of these, uh, uh, robots called, uh, simulants that, uh, basically the, the, the entire, uh, back of their heads is robotic. It looks very much like, uh, Robocop when he takes his helmet off, um, that kind of thing. Um, uh, notably with basically like a, a cylinder that goes all the way through the center of the character's head. It's, it's very, um, uh, visually striking, but there there are entire characters in this movie that are like that, and so basically every single uh, scene that those characters are in is a a special effect. So to accomplish what they've done for eighty million dollars is uh, is incredibly impressive because it. Uh, my my screening was shown on an IMAX screen. I don't think it was necessarily formatted for IMAX because, like, you know, you could still see the letterboxing and there wasn't any aspect ratio change. Um, and, and it certainly doesn't fill the whole screen, but it is a larger screen. So it, 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 did, it did make for a, uh, a pretty cool presentation there. Um, so it's... It, at a time where I, I don't remember if we saw expend four bulls on the on the same screen. No, it was it was the one next door. Um, a very uh, large screen and too large of a screen for a movie that bad uh, because basically you see 
all of the all of the uh, uh, terrible ropey uh, CGI for uh, Expendables Four on the screen. I don't mean to talk about that movie too much, but it's still very fresh in my mind. Um, but yeah, it's it just it it underscores kind of a theme of this entirety of the. Uh, 2023 movie slate at a time where you've got an Indiana Jones movie that costs $300 million, a Mission Impossible movie that costs well over $200 million, and everything in between. It is delightfully refreshing to to see something that is as uh, visually imaginative as the creator for uh, uh, for a pretty short budget of uh of 80 million dollars um i i'm just hoping everybody goes to see this movie because like i mean again i i i am um uneasy about it i think the concept and the lack of existing ip is going to be a challenge that was one of the other things that that i i told the nice folks uh from uh from the studio when i told them what i what i thought about um what i thought about the movie but um, but yeah, anyway, I, I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm a fan. Um, the, uh, the, the score is incredibly strong as well. Um, I'm not a, I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan of Hans Zimmer, um, especially kind of like with his Christopher Nolan stuff where it's just kind of been various shades of boom. And it just it just feels literally very one note for me. But he's doing some really really cool uh, creative stuff uh, with the music here. It has a uh, not necessarily a a synthesizer uh, vibe to it because it is an orchestral score. But there are um, electronic elements that make their it make their way in there. And there's a otherworldly texture to it that that makes it kind of um uncomfortable at times like like there are times where characters are shown driving around in vehicles and there's there's a radio playing and there's a lot of diegetic sound but like the um everything that you hear through the radio is something that you think you recognize something that you think you know but once you listen to it for more than a couple seconds you're like wait a second i don't know what this is almost like when there's a a uh song from a band that you like it could be like one of your favorite bands and you think it's one song and you start singing along with it and one of two things happens either you got the wrong song or it's a song you don't know it's like hey hey oh oh Wait, wait a dang minute. I don't I don't even know this one, you know, especially like if uh, if you happen to like a band whose music all sounds the same. Um, and this is coming from a guy that says ACDC is one of his favorite bands. So um, uh, so so that's an affliction that that I um, that I have. Uh, but anyway, the, the 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 soundtrack and the score is very uh, atmospheric and adds to uh, the immersion of it. Um, but it is interesting though because I I don't I don't know exactly what the strategy here is. Um so this movie is being released through 20th Century Studios which is basically the the uh ex 20th Century Fox studio now owned by Disney. So technically this is a Disney movie. 
Um, but it is, as I said, it's scheduled to be released on September 29th. Um, it is set to be released both in conventional theaters and in IMAX, Dolby Cinema, uh, 4DX, and ScreenX. So um, I guess never mind that that comment I, I made about IMAX because um, apparently it's going to be released in IMAX as well. Um, I don't know if this is the kind of movie that needs that. I think for me, I got more out of the IMAX experience from an auditory standpoint. Like the 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 sound design in this movie is amazing. Just like the the uh, uh, blaster effects and the robot sounds, and th- there's there's a lot going on that that's really creative from a sound design perspective, as well as the uh, uh, the music of the movie as well, the actual score. Um, but I bring this up. Because the movie is set to compete with uh, Paw Patrol colon the mighty movie from Paramount and Saw X, uh, Saw 10 from Lionsgate. X going to give it to you. Now, if uh, if you remember back in my Barbenheimer episode, uh, th- this, this was foretold in that uh, th- there was a little bit of a movement that, that really kind of fizzled out of trying to make a Saw Patrol happen, you know, kind of like a la the, the uh, Barbenheimer double feature where people would see Paw Patrol colon the Mighty Movie and Saw X, uh, which is stupid. Um, I, I'm glad that's not really happening, but I, I am afraid that this movie, the creator, is going to get buried um, underneath um, just just from competing with other screens with a Saw movie and a Paw Patrol movie. So you have, on one hand, a new release that's a horror movie that is a sequel and part of a franchise, on and and it's hard R rated. Definitely for grownups. On the other hand, you have Paw Patrol, a uh, friendly G-rated animated movie specifically for children that is also a sequel. So you have two franchise movies in competition with a movie that is wholly original. Well, not wholly original because, I mean, again, it has it, it has tons of um, uh, concepts that, that, that we've seen before. Um, interestingly enough, uh, the creator was originally set to be released back um, on October 6th uh, before it was announced at CinemaCon in April that the film would be moving up a week. And I don't think that's a great idea. I think you you let uh, Saw Patrol have this weekend and you put it out next weekend. I don't know what's coming out on October 6th, so so whatever. Um, according to prognosticators, the, the movie is projected to bring in about 15 to 24 million in its opening weekend, which is sad and and it kind of bums me out because like I mean again that that expend forables, uh, brought in eight million dollars, which is what it deserves, uh, because that 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 movie sucks, um, and with a, uh, it's kind of projected to top out around like forty million to eighty five million, which uh, again, it's it, it's it's going to be a long road. Um, uh, Cindy White of the AV Club cited the predicted results as due to being an original film not based on an existing IP, the cast and filmmakers not being entirely household names, save for 
uh, Washington and Janney, the poor timing of the release in the midst of societal and governmental issues regarding generative AI's place in everyday life and lackluster marketing due in part to the 2023 WGA and SAG strikes. Uh, fortunately, at least the the WGA strike has uh, um, uh, been resolved. Uh, nothing on SAG yet, so so your favorite TV shows aren't back quite yet. But um, uh, in this AV Club, uh, Cindy White concludes with a uh, quote, without any inside knowledge, we can only speculate as to why 20th century is setting expectations so low for a film that's been called not just the best sci-fi movie of the year, but the best movie of the year, period. Maybe that's better than overhyping it and then labeling it a disappointment when it doesn't perform as well as a Marvel or a Transformers film. And that's that that's an incredibly uh, interesting perspective um, to kind of leave things on, because the 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 other thing that I will um, I I will leave you with is that um, I I attuned with this movie in a way that other folks might not. But if you're listening to this podcast and you are a fan of mine, then then you might as well. being a fan of Transformers, and you may have heard me talk about this with my co-host Michael Andrews during our Transformers animated recap podcast, Two Mikes, Two Furious animated Transformers, where we recap Transformers animated one episode at a time. Uh, we recently had a discussion about the nature of robot life. You know, who is who is a soulless automaton and who is uh, an autonomous robotic life form? You know, who who is a person and who isn't? And, and what defines that and who defines that? And so looking at this movie, the creator, through that lens, through that kaleidoscope, it's very fascinating stuff. And the way... Uh, certain events and imagery and and things are carried out. Um, if you thought I was squirrely during uh, uh, about the treatment of some of our uh, tire tireless mechanical robot friends um, in in Transformers Animated, there's some imagery here that that. Uh, can be construed as upsetting. Um, like I've said, I've 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 kind of been upset by some of the more graphic violence in the live action Transformers movie because it's like, well, yeah, no, you can you can maim and dismember these these characters because at the end of the day they're just robots, and it's like, well, um, you can't have it both ways. They're either robots or they're people, and this is a movie that that really. Um, uh, really yanks on that thread and challenges your sensibilities in terms of like, you know, who is a robot, who is a person and how do we define life? So it's, uh, um, I, I did find it, um, incredibly, as I said, um, uh, uh, thoughtful, thought provoking, refreshingly original. It's a, uh, gripping sci-fi masterpiece for grownups it is a it is a uh, future classic um, that I think will stand the test of time and stand shoulder to shoulder in that same echelon with, say, uh, uh, the Terminator, uh, Star Wars, uh, the Matrix, 
um, um, Avatar to an extent. There, there's there's some um, there's some Im- imagery and themes in there as well. So it's um, it it is unabashedly a a influenced remix of all of these tropes that we've seen before. I'm gonna stop there for a sec. Um, but the the last last thing I I want to leave you with is I wanted to read. Uh, to you a couple uh, tweets from uh, Matt Ferguson at cakes underscore comics. Um, he's a uh, artist that I'm, I'm a huge fan of. Um, he's done a lot of Marvel stuff and, and uh, a lot of like sci-fi stuff, but uh, in particular he did, he's the art director and primary artist for the, the 35th anniversary uh, releases of Transformers, the movie. So he did like all the posters, all the lobby cards, and um, um, so anyway, I, I've I've become a real fan of his art, and um, I, I I've noticed that I I really kind of align with a lot of his sensibilities. But he recently had the opportunity to see the movie. He did a a spectacular poster for it um, as well. So uh, he's got that available on his Twitter page and website. But um, I wanted to read you some of the the um, uh, tweets that he wrote that I found especially profound. Uh, quote, the overwhelming feeling while watching the creator for me was this film has a voice. It's uniquely an Edwards movie, Gareth Edwards. Um, I think that's why it's successful. You can just tell it's what he wanted to make through and through the title cards, the cut at the end. It's pretty rocking. Um, he continues in a another tweet in the same thread. Is it full of homages and vibes of other stories? Yes, of course. But that's no bad thing in my book. Let's compare to Star Wars, which is a hodgepodge of all manner of science fiction books, fairy tales, and movie serials. The whole is greater for it. And he concludes with a sentiment that I echoed and and told the nice lady with the clipboard, this one has future classic written all over it. And I agree with that. The only addendum that I would um, append to that is if people go to see it. And again, I'm, you know, uh, uh, poor Disney needs your money. I'm not, I'm not here to, to shill that hard, but I do want to advocate for, um, uh, a project that I believe in. And, and this one really got my attention and, um, I, I'm just, I'm just afraid it's going to get lost in the shuffle. And then maybe it's one of those things like, you know, Blade Runner didn't do particularly well um, in the theaters the first time around. I, I hope that in this endless churn of endless content, it doesn't just get lost and it'd be like, oh, hey, yeah, you remember that movie, The Creator? Um, hopefully it's a movie that that people find and um, and can engage with that. Um, so I'm going to leave that there for now. That is my spoiler free early review of uh, the creator from Gareth Edwards. Again, it is in theaters on Friday the 29th. And before I leave and we part ways for now, um, a couple few things I want to let you know about. Um, first of all, uh, please check out my uh, previous couple episodes where I kind of did uh, some homecoming of sorts to my old stomping grounds on uh, 89.9 KGRG FM, my old college radio station, my alma mater uh, there at Green 
Green River College and uh, um, here in Auburn, Washington. I, I talked to the new general manager and the chief engineer kind of about the legacy and the future of uh, of that place that that holds a very special place for me and a lot of my friends. Um, it's a really great interview. We talk about uh, potential format changes for the radio station, uh, what this means for incoming students, what this means for fellow alumni like myself. Um, and yeah, just, uh, you know, I, I call it the legacy in the future. Um, so that, that was a great conversation and a couple episodes back from that, um, I reunited with, uh, my co-host from the Monday project, uh, Airhorn Elijah. Uh, we talked for a couple hours, did a reunion show, uh, getting, uh, getting our little band back together, uh, one last time, uh, for, uh, uh, for alumni week, uh, back, uh, on KGRG, um, uh, I'll, I'll throw another plug for uh, Two Mikes, Two Furious Animated Transformers, where me and author Michael Andrews talk about Transformers Animated. I, it's a series I have never watched before, so he and I are watching it together. Um, he's a serial rewatcher. He's watched those uh, episodes a million times. And I've never seen them before, so he's kind of my spirit guide uh, through this experience. And it's a uh, it's really fun. Um, we just uh, this last weekend recorded our epic two part uh, finale for season one, the epic two part finale, Megatron Rising parts one and two. Um, so that uh, the first half of that will be out. On not this week, but the following week on Friday, October 6th. And then since it's a a two-part adventure and the uh, the second episode came out a week after, uh, so too will we follow that same pattern. So part two of Megatron Rising will be out on Friday the 13th. Uh, Friday, October 13th. Uh, but anyway, uh, so that's uh, um, that's going to be uh, something awesome to look forward to. And then probably around the same time, I don't know. I, I have not decided when I'm going to drop it. By the time you're listening to this, maybe I'm, I'll know and I will announce it. But I will have the audio from the Mike Seibert Radio episode 400 uh, epic live stream uh, converted to podcast form. And I know in times in the past, I have taken epic sized episodes and chopped them into multiple parts, not doing that this time. I think, um, I think this stands as a singular work as a singular project. Uh, we had an incredibly fun time out on the live stream, a lot of great questions, a lot of great conversations, a lot of great, uh, reminiscing and storytelling. I had an absolute blast with it. And I, I tell you, I have the best goddamn friends ever. Um, because everybody who joined me on that stream made me feel, uh, so grateful, uh, for the opportunity to be able to uh, talk to you for 400 episodes uh, spanning uh, eight years. Um, and I, I can't believe it's been that long, but it's uh, uh, it, it's it's been a honor and a privilege, and I'm glad to continue doing it. Uh, but because of the way the live stream went with like kind of the hop ons, you know, watch out for hop ons. Um, it, it got real buck wild at times. And there were some stories I didn't tell um, that didn't necessarily I thought was relevant. I just wanted to stick with uh, hanging out with my friends. So I am going to do 
a episode 400 supplemental where maybe because every podcast is somebody's first podcast and an anniversary episode is not necessarily somebody's uh, best first entree into a new show. So episode 401 will kind of be that um, kind of a reset where I, I think I will just go over in brief the chronology of the show because you know, if you've been with me as long as you have, you know there's been changes and evolutions, and it surprised me, not in a bad way, but just, you know, uh, again, I preach that every show is somebody's first show, and then I'm surprised when I tell stories to my friends that they didn't know, that like, you know, I just think are so commonplace, it's like, oh, shoot, I didn't know that you didn't know that, you know, you know, that kind of thing, uh, kind of some of the origin story stuff. So I think I'm going to do another speed run through my origin story. And then also um, I had a number of AMA ask me anything questions that were submitted on a Google form that uh, that I didn't get to. And and ironically enough, the reason why I didn't get to them is because the uh, uh, the folks who submitted those questions were there on the live stream with me. So it felt kind of silly to read their questions with them right there. So I'm going to read all of those questions and answer all of those questions in episode 401 to kind of fatten up that, that presentation a little bit and uh, um, give a little fun there. But what that means for you as you're listening to episode 399 here is that that form is still open. If you have questions, comments, concerns, anything that you would like for me to specifically address, uh, please feel free and click on the link in the show notes to go to the the AMA form. Uh, submit a few questions. Literally, open book. You know, why do you say make good choices? You know, why uh, why do you ramble so much? Why why is it that I can go to YouTube and get a four minute review for uh, for the creator when your uh, your thing is like forty five minutes? You know, you, you know, challenge me on some of that stuff, and I I would uh, I. Would be glad to um, uh, talk and explain myself, and you know I I know that uh, some of my listeners and audience um, are aspiring podcasters. Like if you want to ask me like process stuff, like you know what's your approach to editing? What do you take out? What do you leave in? Um, you know I mean like there's I don't have all the answers, but I have my answers. Um, so I can, I can explain things to you and, and maybe in, um, as I'm, as I'm kind of learning in some of my therapy, I think some of the learning is in analyzing, you know, it's like taking a sec and really drilling down. It's like, why, you know, why do I do this? Why do I think this? Why do I approach things that way? And then once you get deep drilled so deep that you're, you're basically uh, scraping concrete you know, maybe you've got the the core value of something. So, um, so I so I welcome those kinds of questions uh, with uh, with regards to uh, my approach to podcasting and uh, creating content. And um, and yeah, I think um, I, I think you get the idea. And we'll uh, we will leave it there for now. And that that will wrap up uh, this episode. Thank you so much for listening and for hanging out with me. I greatly appreciate it more than you could ever know. And if you would like to check out more of Mike Seibert Radio, you are welcome to subscribe 
on Apple and Google Podcasts. I got an email saying like Google Podcasts is going away. If you're a podcaster, you might want to check your emails because there's something about like YouTube integration or something through YouTube uh, music. I haven't looked at any of that. Uh, but anyway, um, you know, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, TuneIn, not Stitcher, RIP. Um, but uh, um, like, share, rate, and review the show. Uh, let me know what you'd like and what you'd like to hear more of in the future. Um, until then, uh, this has been Mike Seibert Radio. My name is Mike, and until next time, make your choices. Mike Seibert Radio is recorded in Seattle, Washington. Our original theme song is written and performed by Lucia Fasano. Get her music on all streaming platforms like Spotify and Apple Music and check out her Instagram at Lucia underscore Fasano. Our closing theme song is a nice place to visit by these young fools used with permission from Michael Geisler. Check out Michael's website, bytourmusic.com. Special thanks to Andy Lita for our logos and graphic design. He's at GoGoAndyRobo out on Twitter. Become a Mike Cybertronian and join the MSRP Friends and Fans Facebook group. And you can follow me on all the social media at Mike Cybert Radio on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And check out my YouTube channel for even more videos and subscribe so you never miss a show. Want to be a guest on the show? Send me an email, MikeCybertRadio at gmail.com. Oh, shoot. And I totally forgot to mention this. I, I should should have mentioned this at the top or somewhere towards the the beginning of the review. But I also want to let you know that the creator does not have a post credit scene, though I did find sitting through the credits to be delightful and relaxing. There's uh, there there's some terrific music that that accompanies it. And, um, and yeah, I, I, I use that time to kind of uh, collect my thoughts and, and, you know, try to try to figure out why I'm going to tell the nice lady with the clipboard. Uh, but anyway, um, you don't necessarily need to sit there and enjoy that music. You can take off as soon as the credits start to roll. Um, I do have a quote from Gareth Edwards, who was recently asked about the possibility of the film getting a sequel or being the start of a new science fiction film franchise, given the film's originality and world building. He says there are no plans for a sequel, saying, quote, I like endings. My favorite part of the story is the end. My favorite part of a joke is the punchline. And so I just want it to be this self-contained thing. I mean, it's a high class problem. If someone ever came up and said, quote unquote, we want a sequel, that'd be a good problem to have. But that is not the plan. No. And be sure and check out the art of Matt Ferguson at his website, Cakes and Comics, all one word, cakesandcomics.com. And shouts out for his permission for me to use his poster art for the creator as the thumbnail image for this podcast. Great stuff. Be sure and check it out.